Hello there, it's Chappie, your British butler. It's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, and it's episode number 98. We're nearly at the big one. We're nearly at the century. We're nearly at the number that people thought we'd never get to. But I'm plowing on. I'm, I'm, I'm charging on. It's like the charge of the podcast light brigade here. And I keep pressing on. It's, it's, a, it's a very attritional sort of uh, almost like a Germanic work ethic here to get to the hundred. And uh, talking about Germanic work ethics, uh, we do have England, Germany, England, Germany, and that's coming up on Tuesday. Uh, more about that tomorrow. I think we're going to put that to one side, just for, really for mental health purposes. I think uh, if you're an Englishman and there's a talk of a England, Germany clash on the uh, on the football pitch, then uh, you just need to put it to one side. You need to think about other things, really. And it's very early here in Colorado. You know, I, I sort of like these early morning podcasts now. It's uh, like a, an early morning absolution, basically. And uh, it's like, you know, how monks have their matins. They, they, they do their morning prayers. They, uh, they put on their sackcloth, their hair shirt, and they, uh, and they go about their business in the morning. I'm going about my business as a dear podcast host early this Friday morning as the uh, gentle rain starts to fall. I don't know if it is yet, but it, that's in the forecast. I haven't cracked open the blinds, but I fear that if one cracks open the blinds at this moment and a, and a dash and a ray of light shoots in, I, uh, I may be bedazzled. And I could actually melt, because I, I, I do feel sometimes that I could be part vampire. Um, the reason I say that is I do enjoy... I like natural light. I do not like uh, artificial light. So I like a little bit of darkness. You know, sometimes I've, I'm seen uh, in my butler's nook purely by candlelight. Or just by the light of dusk or dawn keeping me going. So... Here we are again, as happy as been, can be, all good friends and jolly good company. Uh, it's it's marvellous to be sitting in the host chair once again. Who thought it? Who would have thunk it? Um, but it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting day ahead. Uh, a, week, a weekend ahead here with um, feels more like an English weekend uh, coming up. Lots of rain and mizzle and bizzle and jizzle and well hopefully not the jizzle but one thing i found almost as good as the cock crowing in the morning a couple of i mean you can't get them right out of the uh, right out of the teacup but let them cool down a little bit but a couple of tea bags on the eyes just press lightly onto the eyes so you you know gradually lower the tea bags onto the eyes in the morning and i tell you something forget about having a cold shower the uh, the t- the warm tea bags on the eyes, um, it it really is a like a, a shot to the brain. Uh, it it wakes you up quicker than I've ever known. I mean, you could be startled. It's it's like uh, <clears throat> if you ever roll onto your dog, that's how quickly the poor dog wakes up. A couple of tea bags lowered gently. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to force them onto the eyelids too early. That has such a restorative type of effect 
and it gets your morning off to the uh, to the right start. Now, you know, you worry about the bags under the, under the eyes. I, I'm also worried, you know, a dripping tea bag uh, can leave a, a stain. So I don't know if you want tea stains under the eyes either. That could be a that could be as that could be as nasty as uh, one of those tea stain rings. So you don't want a tea stain ring from a slightly soaking tea bag under the eyelids, definitely. I'm just thinking though, with the, with the whole warm tea bag situation, it could have a uh, it could have a, an effect on sports players. So you know, if you need have a timeout playing sport or halftime or something along those lines. So, you know, you, I can imagine like Harry Kane or Jack Grealish of the England football team, um, you know, or maybe uh, maybe Bryson DeChambeau and uh, Brooks Kepka on the golf course. A moment break and a, a couple of like slightly warm tea bags lowered onto the eyes. If you're having a bad round of golf or you, uh, you know, maybe a, a slight niggling, niggling injury, I think the, 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 the tea bag on the eyes could... Uh, could turn uh, even the most uh, tiresome amateur into Pele, you know, or maybe Jack Nicholas, Tiger Woods, whatever. So I, I think this is something that we we may need to uh, introduce into the to the whole uh, mantra of life: a slightly warm tea bag. I mean, I feel the same way about about maybe a nice slice of cucumber as well. I know it's a terrible waste you put it in your gin and tonic, but you know, on the eyes, uh, could, uh, could have the effect of, uh, of, uh, getting one ready for a slightly difficult day ahead. That's what I'm thinking. So this is the podcast that probably nobody's talking about. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's being talked, talked about, it's not being talked about around the water cooler. It's being whispered down corridors or maybe above cubicles and bathrooms. I mean, that that's the sort of podcast it is. It, it, but it's, it's getting a sort of maybe a, a cult following, uh, maybe possibly in the Middle East. I talked about uh, Thailand and my possible move to Phuket. Um, you know, I mentioned last week that I'd be talking about a, uh, a big slab, a big ball, a big disc of cheese. But we will be talking about that. Uh, today on the podcast my uh, my barber gets another reference as well um, on the podcast today uh, I'll be talking about what she said to me uh, last weekend uh, my love of a, a British delicacy baked beans um, but uh, there's, there's an added accoutrement to the uh, to the baked beans that uh, makes them all so very special um, a, a new game that I've come across uh, whilst I'm on my uh, jaunt from Chappie Towers uh, into town. Um, the Corporate Loafer. I mean, it's, it seems to be a, a stable of every... Uh, it's, like, it's like having a barber jacket, a barber wax jacket in the English countryside. For the American male, the Corporate Loafer is, uh, is something that uh, is beholden it's almost uh, it's almost written into the code. It's it's carved into Moses's uh, stones that you need to be wearing this particular loafer. Uh, have you ever lost your pocket completely? Uh, th- that's happened to me in the week as well. Uh, mentioned before, one of our uh, elixirs of the gods. I mean, it could become a feature, I suppose. Uh, but the magic of evaporated milk. 
Um, and then tomorrow, as I said, we're going to be looking more towards the Germany-England game and some of the nonsense that may ensue. Uh, so look out for that uh, on a podcast uh, platform near you coming tomorrow. Um, flashlights in the pocket. I mean, it really is quite uh, quite packed today. Uh, and of course, coming out today, there's a rather rather sort of randy picture, I suppose, of the uh, health secretary, allegedly the health secretary, Matt Hancock, uh, having, a, having a very passionate embrace with one of his aides, and he's pinching her bottom. I mean, this is absolutely preposterous on the news belt. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Um, but it's, uh, I know the government in the UK, it was hands, face, space. This is uh, hands, knees and bumps a daisy, I think, in the case of uh, Mr. Hancock. Um, <clears throat> so we have some trumple trombone. We, we, will be, uh, we will be delving and diving straight into trumple trombone later on. Uh, historical Tinder figures, uh, enigmatic English eccentrics, all of these will be appearing on the podcast over the uh, over the next couple of days uh can i get you into a cold soup a gazpacho why is hay fever so heady and awful to this 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 particular year um staycation is making life for farmers absolute hell um the uh, rare black death gold leopard coin is found thank god they found it i've been looking for it everywhere so why do we buy exactly the same things we bought before why do we wear exactly the same things day in day out well looking at steve jobs i mean one of the best known for visionary leadership innovation but also known for an unvarying signature look most corporate executives wear suits and ties jobs is committed to a black mock turtleneck blue jeans and and sneakers uh but he wasn't the first to go his unusual and changing way and he certainly wasn't the last, including fashion de- designers Michael Kors, uh, Dean Carmen, uh, Pee Wee Herman. I mean, what a what a list there. Uh, <clears throat> the Ruder, a personal branding guru and author of Ditch Dare Do, says this practice can be part of personal branding. They wear what they feel uh, because they feel comfortable wearing it. When you wear something that feels just right, you are confident, but also it looks great to have a trademark look. It's memorable and distinctive. With Albert Einstein, it's reported that the famous uh, uh, physicist bought several versions of the same grey suit because he didn't want to waste brain power on choosing an outfit each morning. Now, decades later, President Obama did the same thing. Um, You've got Donald Trump with his extra long tie, covering the all together. It drapes right down. It looks slightly silly when you're sitting down and it's uh, hanging over the top there, isn't it? Um, but you need to remove from your life the day-to-day problems absorb most people for meaningful parts of the day. Uh, you'll see one or two grey-blue suits. Look at Obama. Look at Trump's red tie. I'm trying to pare down decisions. I don't want to make decisions about what I'm eating or wearing because I have too many other decisions to make in the day. Uh, most famous business people and politicians are known to be consistent about their wardrobe because it's their brand identity. It's who they are. It's who how they want to represent themselves and make a statement. It's not about what you wear, but about what you accomplish. So Zuckerberg wears casual clothing because it represents an entire generation of young people. I mean, I feel the same way about wearing a wearing a cravat. Uh, you know, it represents uh, who I am. 
And also you can tie it around your head like a bandana as well if you're getting slightly sweaty. Um, oh, Ascot, sorry, Ascot. But as I say, I, I, I always seem to wear navy blue. I do like a pink trouser, so that's quite common as well. Uh, but the navy blue is something I seem to wear. My father wears completely navy blue. I think every time I see him on a uh, FaceTime call, he's got navy tracksuit bottoms, navy top. You know, and I think I've, I think I have in my jeans. You know, tied into uh, tied into my jeans, I have the the whole navy thing going on. I don't know why, but it that seems to be that seems to be part of the the whole fabric of the uh, of the genetics here i mean it becomes very easy i just slip on the navy trouser and the navy jumper sweater i mean that's another thing i'm very comfortable wearing a sweater even in the summertime i mean they, they keep the whole air conditioning so bloody cold that you have to wear a you have to wear a sweater but no the british chaps don't do the undershirt i don't know the point of a soaking wet sweaty undershirt I know it saves your shirt from looking sweaty, but no, open a few more buttons up. Open a few more buttons up, man, you know? But I think it's the same thing when you buy buy certain objects. Um, you know, talking to my girlfriend. So we were out shopping, and remarkably we have similar tastes. Um, which, you know, she's very stylish, and I'm a bit of an old fart. But similarly, we do have similar tastes. But you do go after the same things. Like, she went, oh, this table looks very nice. Well, it looks exactly like the table you just bought. The table that's in your house. We all are creatures of habit. We go with what's comfortable to us. And breaking out of the norm is, is a challenge. And I guess that's the whole thing. We're making so many decisions... There's so many decisions, darling. I don't know what to do. I'll just put on the navy sweater, navy trousers, and and uh, and, and just go about my day. Make, make make decisions easier, you know. So I was in having my uh, three weekly haircut. I don't know what the. I know some things are bi-weekly, some things are monthly. I get my haircut, my luscious locks cut every three weeks. So I mean that's quite that's quite often. But but it gets so bushy at the sides, you know. Because I have a sleek sort of fairly long on top, and I have the sides shut. It's almost like the typical short back and sides, I suppose. Um, but but it gets it starts getting bushy at the sides. It grows in like a like a curly mop or a, a, a fluffy or fuzzy brill pad. I mean that used to be what I used to be called balling so that brill pad chappy, you know. That, that was often I got the brill pad thing. And I think anybody with slightly curly hair, if you were if you went to school in the 70s and 80s, the whole bro pad thing did come out. It was a common nickname, you know. But uh, I don't think my hair is abrasive. I mean, if I rub my hair against your leg, I, I mean, there might be a little bit of friction, but it certainly wouldn't be as uh, caustic or as uh, painful as a bro pad going across your leg, I imagine. But anyway, my barber, um, you know, she... Quite a quite a feisty sort of individual. Um, I was uh, getting my hair cut, and there was some pretty rambunctious uh, rap music being played. Now, I as you listen, if you listen to the music emporium of the podcast, I love my rap. I love my R&B. Love my soul. Love it when it gets a little bit naughty. <clears throat> but she, on a jukebox or whatever you want to call it, one of her employees, one of the other barbers, had. 
I don't know if it was ODB, <clears throat> Wu Tang Clan. I think it was so, it was it was something, and the language. I, I mean, it, it would have it might have bruised my well maybe not bruised my grandmother's ears, but she's a feisty lass herself. Um, but it, I think for somebody more delicate of nature, you know, go here, here's one for the kids: a Mary Whitehouse. Let me put it that way. Now, anybody, I mean, I think my age demographic is 65 and, and over. If, you, if you've if you got dentures, you probably listen to Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. I think I'm going to have a t-shirt made up, actually. If you wear dentures, here's a podcast for you. Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. You know, if you're losing, if you're losing a little bit of hair, if you, uh, if you, if you need to pop the little blue pill, then, uh, I mean, I think this podcast probably injected into you would cause and solve all any sort of erectile dysfunction you might have that's how confident i am on this podcast that keep calm and cauliflower cheese can solve erectile dysfunction um it's highly possible you know maybe maybe in a shot of carrot juice as well so a shot of carrot juice and keep calm and cauliflower cheese cures all ills you know Cures all uh, all libido ills, um, and it might even help with IBS. That, that I'm, you know, there's no scientific research on this, but maybe they needed to start doing oral scientific with an A scientific research on on the power of the podcast. But she anyway, she was telling her employee, "Can you turn this on? Why is this on? Why don't you have the uh, the naughty language mode on your iPhone to stop?" your you know stop this uh stops cursing you know and he said well look we've just been through a pandemic what's wrong with a few curse words and i sort of have to agree with him um but then after that they started playing some country music and uh <laughs> so i said to her i said i'm gonna write an anonymous letter uh, and you know th- this is this is after somebody may have complained about the rap music i'm gonna write an anonymous complaint about the country music playing being played in the barbershop. Uh, and uh, and also, it'll be under the pseudonym of uh, kingeorge69 at gmail.com. Go, try, go, right, go and try and send that a message to that. Do you think I have that email? kingeorge69 at gmail.com. Why don't you send me an email and see if it pops through? So I'm wondering if your ears have been flushed out. So if you're listening to the musical edition of the podcast, your ears would have been probably drilled out right in, 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 from the last song. So I know, I bet some of you are curious. I wonder what he. Oh, I, I wonder what chap is played. Did he play some more umpa music? No. Um, but if you were listening to the uh, musical edition, you just basically, is it like drilling your way to Australia? You'd have hit so many oil wells on the way down, you'd be a billionaire by now. That's how far it's drilling into you with the last song on the Musical Emporium edition of the playlist. Um, but I, I feel bad now because, you know, I, I said I'd write a complaint letter about uh, about country music being played in the barbershop. Now I feel like I have to rectify that. I, I, I may need to go and sit on a porch uh, with a ukulele and... Um, and uh, maybe chinks and tobacco with a spittoon 
and uh, drinking some, uh, you know, old Kentucky whiskey. You know, some wild turkey or something along those lines, I imagine. Although I wouldn't use that as mouthwash. But I may um, feel like I need to do that now. Um, and rock back and forth. Maybe there's uh, corn sheaves r- rustling in the wind in the background. But I, I, I feel like I need to... I need to rectify the whole... But I do actually quite like some country music. And I need to change the balance and make sure everybody knows that Chappie the Butler does enjoy the odd country tune. So don't let anybody tell you Chappie doesn't keep his promises when it comes to features on the podcast. Uh, So scientists played music to cheese as it aged. Uh, And uh, we'll let you know who uh, was the the most... uh, what was the most funkiest flavour? What what brought out the flavour of the cheese? So researchers played non-stop loops of Led Zeppelin, A Tribe Called Quest, and Mozart to uh, cheese wheels to find out how the sound waves impacted their flavour. The creation of good cheese involves a complex dance between milk and bacteria. In quite a literal sense, playing the right time while this dance unfolds, it changes the final product's taste. The new study shows. Uh, Dennis uh, Boyabase, I mean, what a name. I would love to be named after a French dish. Chappy La Canade. That should be my name. The butler with the crispy skin. I'm forever now known as Chappy La Canade. Uh, and Cecile Mantovani of Reuters, uh, Reuters even, report that hip-hop, for example, gave the cheese an especially funky flavour, while cheese that rocked out to Led Zeppelin or relaxed with Mozart had milder zest. This is last September. Swiss cheesemaker Beat Wampfler. I mean, if ever, ever there was a name in uh, Boogie Nights, Beat Wampfler. I mean, he would have been a porn star, definitely. And uh, coming up with the next classic here, it's uh, Beat Wampfler in uh, Debbie Does Dallas 3. And a team of researchers from Bern University of Arts played nine 22-pound wheels of uh, cheese in individual wooden crates in Wonfler's Cheese Cellar. Oh, please, just just send me an invite to Wonfler's Cheese Cellar. I bring the wine. Wonfler, you bring the cheese. Then for the next six months, each cheese was exposed to endless 24-hour loop of one song. Thank God it wasn't Wigfield Saturday night. Using a mini transducer, which uh, directed the sound waves directly into the cheese wheels. The classical cheese mellowed to the sounds of Mozart's The Magic Flute. Now, the Queen of the Night, that, that, would, uh, that would eradicate any che- cheese from the earlobes uh, and, and the lug holes, definitely. The uh, rock cheese listened to Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven and ambient cheese listened to Yellow's Monolith. The uh, hip-hop cheese was exposed to uh, to a tribe called Twest. Uh, and the techno-fromage raved to Viral's UV. A uh, control cheese aged in silence while three other wheels were exposed to simple high, medium and low frequency tones. According to the press release, the cheese was then examined by food technologists from the Zor Food Perception Group. I mean, I, I would like to be part of the Fwoah 
through perception group, which included that the cheese exposed to music had a milder flavor compared to the non-musical cheese. They also found that hip-hop cheese had stronger aroma, stronger flavor than the other samples. The cheeses then were sampled by a jury of culinary experts during two rounds of blind taste tests. Their results uh, were similar to the research group conclusions about the hip-hop cheese came out on top. The bacteria did a good job, one Flatel's Swiss info. The experts said a Tribe Called Quest cheese was remarkably fruity, both in smell, taste, and significantly different from the other samples. The tasting, however, was subjective, and not everybody thought hip-hop was the cheesiest. My favorite cheese was that of Mozart. I like Mozart, but it's not necessarily what I listen to. Maybe a sweet little classical music, it does a good cheese. So there are differences all in the tasters' heads. It's hard to say the point, but the fromage will now go through biomedical surveys to see if there are actual differences in the structure of the cheese. Bacteria is responsible for the formation and taste of the cheese. I'm convinced that the humidity, temperature and nutrients are not only the only things that influence taste. Sounds, ultrasounds or music can also have physical effects. So what happens if you like really cheesy music? I mean, does it uh, does it bring uh, you know, does it bring forth maybe a, bring forth the flavour of a, a stinky blue cheese or a gorgonzola? So I went shopping with uh, my lovely, um, and uh, anyway, it's quite an experience I think for any American to go shopping with a Brit, especially to somewhere like Cost Plus World Market or a expat British food shop or store. I mean, it's quite an experience. Because you see things that you would never expect to see. Like the can of spotted dick. I mean, many would say, how do you fit a spotted dick into a can? With a sponge pudding. So you can make the sponge as currenty or as spongy, you know, with, with all that suet in or whatever you want to put in your spotted dick. It can fit into a can. It's a wonderful gift. Is a stocking filler that one should give to every mother-in-law you come across. Because they love it. Absolutely, they actually find it delightful. You know, nothing better on Christmas Day than opening up a present and... There he goes, Santa's brought you a spotted dick. Anyway, so that's one thing. All the pickled stuff. I mean, my German Deutsche friends would, you know, love a little pickle. Love a piccalilli, love a spicy mustard. I mean, this is where the, the English and the Germans can unite. They can unite over a meaty bratwurst, you know, as last week. I'm dreaming, dreaming of a chicken bratwurst. They would sing in unison that song with me. Yeah, with the spicy mustard and probably the sauerkraut pickles, pickled onions as well. The Germans and the English can agree with that. Nobody else would, but the Germans and the English would agree on... The, uh, the bratwurst, the more meatier sausage, not a not an insipid wiener, but a more meatier sausage, they would agree with that. Um, but then you come to the whole baked bean section. Now, my American friends, cousins, the special relationship is reborn. One thinks between Biden and Boris. But... Uh, but yes, the special relationship has been reborn, rekindled. But nothing, an American never agree about baked beans for breakfast. They find it's the most insipid thing in the whole world. I mean, you're putting like 
biscuits and gravy isn't that dissimilar. But baked beans for breakfast, it's abhorrent to an American. But you add little willies in there, little sausages in with the baked beans, I tell you, that's the breakfast of Olympus. If Zeus ever had a breakfast, he would have baked beans with the little willies in it. It's, it's, it's almost like a, uh, it's certainly a Greek tragedy if you don't have baked beans with little willies. Little wieners, little sausages in the baked beans make for a delicious breakfast. And you can pile on sausage on sausage. If you go for the full English and have a couple of sausages and then you have the baked beans with the little willies in, it's absolutely fantastic. It adds to the, it adds to the whole experience. It becomes a warm breakfast buffet experience i know giles corin wrote something i may i may have to talk about that the whole breakfast buffet thing corin wrote about in the, in the london times but i think it could cause a breakup it could cause a transatlantic rift the whole baked beans and then you add the little sausages in with the baked beans that becomes a seismic effect i mean that's that hits the whole San Andreas fault of a of a the union, the special relationship between the uh, the English and the Americans. It, it it rocks it to its core. I mean, the whole thing is though, if if there is a split, if there is a chasm, if there is an earthquake between the British and Americans about baked beans at breakfast, and you add the little sausages in there, little willies in there then you could pour a whole tonnage. I mean, you could take all the baked beans in the world with the, with the little wieners, with the little sausages in there, and you could fill that chasm. I mean, it would be like uh, the Red Sea being able to walk over the, uh, over, the, over the Dead Sea. It's as easy as that. You fill the chasm with the baked beans and the sausages, and then you have a safe path to cross that's that resolves a special relationship although i don't think uh, an american would set foot across a, uh, a slightly warm baked bean uh, river with sausages poking out although i do, i just dive straight in i would be the augustus gloop of the equation and dive right into that river of baked beans and sausages and devour it all forget chocolate rivers the baked beans with the sausages are the key. You ask Frank, my dear departed grandfather, nothing better for him on a Sunday night, buttered toast with baked beans and sausages. Lovely jubbly. If you've been around the world tonight, have some baked beans and sausages. God save us, Wally the Walrus is back, this time on the Isles of Silly. Taking on a drifting kind of life has turned out to be the serious business for Wally the Walrus. In the past four months, the young mammal with the fearsome tusks has travelled from Ireland to Greenland before exploring France and Spain. It appears he has now returned to the British shores. But after all that paddling, he needs a rest. Wally was reported to be trying to clamber on board a yacht full of tourists off the Isles of Scilly. Silly Isles. Rafe Ward, the owner of Calypso Boating Scilly, now that should be silly Clipso boating, I think, rather than Clipso boating silly. By the way, for all my friends out there, silly is a S-C-I-L-L-Y. It's the Silly Isles. So he's sailing off the Port Cressa beach on Thursday and was heard that Willie, sorry, Wally, I've got 
little willies on the mind here, I guess, with the baked beans. I'm still dreaming of baked beans and, and the sausages. He diverted his usual two-island tour to see the youngster close up. I wasn't sure if we'd see him, but we spotted him straight away. I tried to keep a distance, but he clearly took a liking to the boat. It was great seeing him in the flesh. I mean, it's like a, it's like a COVID lockdown. It's lovely seeing Wally in the flesh again. Seeing those tusks. I haven't seen those tusks for 15 months. My main thing was keeping everybody on board safe. And he never got anywhere near Wally if it was dangerous. He just wanted to say hello. Everyone on board loved it. One man said it was more exciting than diving on the trip to the Great Barrier Reef. I prefer to be swimming next to Wally than a great white shark. Although, you know, I think I think they can be very aggressive. Wally is thought to have drifted uh, 26,000 uh, miles down to Europe on an iceberg. He was first seen around the islands of north of Scotland. The immature Arctic walrus. I mean, I wouldn't be want to be called an immature. Maybe that's something that I'm sure somebody over time. You, you immature Arctic walrus chappy. Go and do your go and do your homework or it's detention. Don't be an immature Arctic walrus. And he was seen in the west of Ireland recently, apparently. West of Ireland. Um at the start of March, before he swam around Ireland and crossed the Irish Sea at the end of the month. During April and May he remained around Tenby, southwest Wales, drawing crowds to watch him lounge on the slipway. Lifeboat chiefs had to call him to the marine mammal experts to stop uh, Wally blocking all those launches during uh, emergency call-outs. I mean, he was a beached walrus, basically, it seemed. He was moved on by person who beat the ground with a pole. Wally soon realised that he was no longer welcome. So he went on to explore the culinary delights of France. This is what I may need to do with my tusks coming out of the nostrils. I need to explore the culinary delights of France, washed up on a beach, and then go and have a, you know, a nice uh, cassoulet or bouillabaisse or something like that. Um... Then he was photographed enjoying the Spanish sunshine. I mean, he was traveling around Europe. It was basically, forget uh, going on a cruise ship. Just hop on Wally's back and you can see the whole of Europe. And he was on a pontoon off Bilbao. That was two weeks ago. So it appeared that Wally was keen to get back to the British waters. Rachel Box, an exports administrator, said she was surprised to see Wally among the boats in Port Cressa. He was massive, she said. He could grow up to a thousand kilograms. He was very playful and not aggressive in the slightest. Others were a bit wary of him. Some are saying he swam probably 450 miles, so there's no wonder he looks a bit tired. He's eventually perched himself on some rocks. Several dinghies reported to have been burst. This is a bit like me with dinghies and deck chairs. I burst the dinghies and collapse the deck chairs. Animal welfare groups urge people to let Wally rest as he prepares to swim back to the Arctic waters. I think I might stop off, stop off in Provence or maybe the south of France and, uh, and maybe, you know, get another snack. Maybe a, maybe a baguette and cheese before I swim off. So welcome along to the uh, comfortable lazy boy that is Trump or Trombone, where we take some of the worst headlines of the week and equate it to a Trump or a very raspy trombone. A man has shared a parking hack that shows that we've been using car parks all wrong. A man has shared a parking hack that shows that we've been using car parks wrong. It could transform your life. TikTok user Big Brother 77 love these TikTok usernames, shared a video of the technique with his 200 followers, and in nine hours it gathered 440,000 views. In the video, the man explains that he had gone to pick up a vehicle from General Motors lot in America, 
and was amazed by the way the piles were stored. Each one was parked on the left line of the parking space, leaving enough space on either side of the doors uh, to open, preventing dings and parking hassle. In the video, the man said, what if I told y'all that we've been parking in parking spots wrong all the time? This is where we pick up GM trucks. Look how they're parked. They're parked on the line. You know how and see how evenly spaced they are indeed. Left to his own devices, he probably would. Uh, well, well, left is best, obviously. But what happens if you're ambidextrous? And a mortified woman left in stitches after discovering uh, that come from a cat, almost like a snake-like creature. Um, one woman left people in stitches after begging vets to help find the uh, snake that was in her house, only to realize that it was one of her boyfriend's curly fries. Um, hmm. Remind me next time uh, to avoid the curly fries and the fried rice uh, and noodles. Next time I think I'm just going to eat an apple. And a woman got revenge on her ex at work by revealing to his boss that he had been automating his job, meaning he got to work done in a fraction of the time and spent the rest of the day looking at memes. Sharing the story anonymously, the man said that he was working from home and had become incredibly efficient at his job, writing reports with, uh, that contained calculations in no time. He spotted a way to make the process even faster by using a database to do the calculations and export them into a Word document, leaving him to edit it all together, taking just two hours of his eight-hour workday. The man said he shared this info with his girlfriend who worked at the same company, but when they broke up, she used it against him, sharing his screen with his boss and revealing how much time he spent slacking off. Talking to Reddit, the man said, after some time I broke up with her, we tried our best, but it wasn't, I wasn't feeling it uh, as much as she was, and I felt that it would be better to end it sooner rather than later. Two days later, I got called into HR at work for a disciplinary hearing. To my horror, I was presented with screenshots of my activity of the previous day's memes, trading activity, news, reading YouTube, and even a tally of how many hours I actually worked versus how much I wasted. The old adage, beware the woman scorned. That's the old adage. Work smart, but don't get caught creatively slacking. So as I was scouring through Twitter and Instagram over the last week, something that Piers Morgan put up, like him or hate him, uh, but he could definitely write a good headline now and again. Uh, more eels can hunt on land and footage from a recent study highlights how they accomplish this feat with a sneaky second set of jaws. And the headline was this. When an eel climbs a ramp to eat squid from a clamp, that's a moray. It's been absolutely marvelous having you here. It's been mar marvelous having you here. Uh, it's watching me in the in the in the theatre of dreams at Chappy Towers, uh, and uh, keep calm and cauliflower cheers. Ninety seven. I have got the number right. The uh, the little elves that I keep. I mean, I shouldn't present little elves that I keep. I'll be reported for hiding elves in the basement. No, the gnomes that I I go and get every week and i get one every week to, and i count them to remind me how many episodes of this dearly esteemed podcast i've done and it's 97 so we're up to 97 so uh, across all platforms you can listen to this nonsense you know i have uh, i have put my ear when i was you know, doing the confessions in a catholic church before the priest came in 
I put my ear to the crack in the confession box and I could hear Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. You can hear it everywhere. It's, it's everywhere, even in the confessional box. And that's probably the best place to listen to the podcast is from a confessional box, I would say. Uh, but across Apple Apple's music, um, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn uh, tune Radio, High Heart Radio, uh, Slacker. I mean, it's across many different platforms. Uh, you can listen to Pandora as well. But then on Spotify, there is a musical edition of the podcast, the Butler's Musical Emporium. And we've had, we always finish with some Yacht Rock. So we sail away with some Yacht Rock. But we've had some Ian Jury, Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll, Long Pigs. Uh, we've had some uh, Old Dirty Bastard. Listen back to the podcast, you understand where that comes in. Glenn Campbell, Debbie Harry, Lisa Stansfield, uh, James, Sheena Easton. I mean, a, a whole cornucopia of delightful musical, uh, aspirational delights. Um, so if you, if, if you like a little bit of music with your chappy, then that's the way to go. If you just like pure chappy, no, no, nothing disturbing the, the chappy experience, then, uh, then you want to try uh, on one of the audio platforms. At Keep Cheese on Twitter, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. And we're going to be completing the show today with a poem. Wimbledon starts on Monday, and we're going to finish with a poem that's called Wimbledon. Lovely little poem, Victoria George. I used to love Wimbledon so with Bjorn Borg and John McEnroe. Now it's just a big pain with girls from Ukraine. They're all interchangeable now. The game used to have lots of zest. Now it's played about who played it best. It's pure TV delight to watch them all fight, but with such a lot of finesse. Borg wore the Wimbledon crown. McEnroe threw his racket around. Becca Joy when he won. Nastasi sense of fun. While Connors was center court clown. Pat Cash for me caused a foul when he blew his nose on the towel. Federer is really good at hitting, but his habit of spitting has made me admitting a howl. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Lovely to have you here. I'll be back in the same chair, wedged into the same deck chair again tomorrow. Cheerio.